I want to get right into the Word of God today. I want to talk about the purpose of Christmas. And man, I'll tell you what, there is so many great purposes of Christmas, as we'll see here this morning. We'll only just touch on a few of them, all right? But 2020 has been a year that's been filled with so much drama and uncertainty that I think this year people are anticipating and looking forward to Christmas more than ever. So much so that they've been starting to put up their Christmas decorations, their Christmas trees, way earlier than I ever remember. In fact, right after October, you know, it was just the beginning of November, we just thought, let's put up our Christmas tree right now. Well, we weren't alone in that. And I mean, I'm talking about the 1st of November. The tree was up, all trimmed and everything, lights and everything, because people are needing joy in their lives. And Christmas brings joy, and that joy that Christmas brings is because of the joy, the person that brings joy to our lives, and that's Jesus. Christ has come. That's why we have joy in the world. So praise God. And then, you know, uh, right at Thanksgiving, I put up lights outside my house, too, the first day that they're allowed in our subdivision. You know, we got them up. And so I just love this whole time. In fact, on the way to church this morning while I was driving here, I was listening to Christmas songs on the radio. So I'm that guy, all right, and I know that you are, too. But we're way ahead of it this year on Christmas. And because of that, I want to make December an entire month of Christmas, all right, in our messages. So today I'm going to be speaking about the purpose of Christmas. Next Sunday I'm going to be talking about the presence of Christmas, all right, not the presents that you put under a tree, but the presence of Christmas. And then the next Sunday we'll talk about the person of Christmas. That'll be on Christmas Sunday. And by the way, the person of Christmas, spoiler alert, is Jesus. You already knew that. And then we'll be talking about the power of Christmas towards the end of the month. So hallelujah. So today, we're going to look at the purpose of Christmas and why Jesus, God's Son, came to dwell among us. I want to just pray, and let's get our hearts ready to receive from the Word, all right? Father in heaven, we love you so much. Thank you, Lord God, for being with us today. God, I thank you that your Word is already blessed but I ask you, Lord, for a special blessing, a special anointing, a special unction as we share your word today, Lord God. Let it penetrate hearts and change lives. And we just pray it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, you know, I should do this one. This is my Bible, the living and powerful proven word of God, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, God's holy word on which I stand. And having done all, I'm going to stand on the word of God. Whatever the Word of God says I am, I am. Whatever the Word of God says I have, I have. Whatever the Word of God says I can do, He said I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. You sound like a bunch of believers out there. Hallelujah. Well, let's talk this morning about the purpose of Christmas. What was Christ's purpose in coming to the earth? In other words, why did Jesus come? There's actually about 30 reasons why Jesus came to this earth. You can find them in Scripture, about 30 or 31 reasons why he came to this earth. But I'm only going to share five of them this morning. Everyone goes, oh, okay, just five. I can do that one. Five of them this morning that I feel are like the primary reasons why Jesus came. But they're going to speak to your heart. And hang with me today, everyone, because I feel like God's wanting to speak to our hearts today about a couple of things, all right? And... Uh, and so this message, I believe, is going to help you and, and lift you up to a new level if you'll respond to it and, and receive from the Lord this morning. All right, so what was Christ's purpose in coming to the earth? First of all, he came to keep you from perishing and so that you might have eternal life. 
He came to keep you or to save you from perishing and to give you eternal life. Hey, if there's anything we've learned about 2020, it's it's how perishable we are and how uncertain life is. Can I say that again? If there's anything that we've learned in 2020, it's how perishable we are and how uncertain life is. But 2,000 years ago, God came to our rescue by sending Jesus Christ, his only son, to come to this earth. And we call that time Christmas. He came to save us. In fact, the word of God says this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that was Jesus, that whoever believes in him will not, what, perish but have everlasting life. You know, we are all perishable. You've heard me talk about this before, but the best of us is perishable. But Jesus said, I've come that you won't perish, but that you'll have eternal life, everlasting life. If we're perishable, that means we're only going to live for a little while, and then we're going to die with no hope. But because of Jesus, we are not going to perish, but we're going to have eternal life or everlasting life because of him. So the first reason that Jesus came is to keep you from perishing and give you eternal life. If you receive that, say aloud, amen, amen, amen. Secondly, Jesus came to give you life more abundantly. Not only give you life, but to give you life more abundantly or life to the full. In fact, Jesus said this in John 10.10, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly or life in all of its fullness or life to the full. Jesus doesn't want you to have an empty life. He wants you to have a full life. So here's what we know about the devil. The devil's bad, by the way. And we know that the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, and we see this all of the time. Even during this pandemic, lots of people have lost hope, and there's a lot of people that have committed suicide. They've ended their life because they didn't have hope in Christ. The devil, that's part of his plan, to steal, to kill, and destroy. But, by the way, he also, the devil's also a liar. In addition to all of those other things, he's also a liar. Have you ever had the devil put you down and say you're not going to make it or you're not good enough or you, you know, uh, nothing's going to work out for you? He's lying to you. So the devil's a destroyer and he's also a liar. And if you've lived long enough in this life, you know of someone who is actually destroyed by the devil. Let me just say that again. If you've lived long enough in this life, you already know of someone who is destroyed by the devil because he comes to destroy. And in fact, there are many of you that are watching today that you would have been destroyed long ago if it wasn't for the grace of God and your faith in Jesus Christ. You'd have been destroyed by the devil as well. And then there are many people that live meaningless, lonely, empty lives. And one of the biggest reasons is because they don't have a friend in Jesus. They haven't met Jesus yet. Jesus doesn't want you to live an empty life. He came that you might have life more abundantly, life in all of its fullness. Hallelujah. I want to just tell you, I gave my life to Christ when I was about eight years old. It was the best decision that I've ever made in my life. And here I am all these years later. God has given me a fulfilling life, a wonderful life, a rich life, a joyous life. I can't imagine life without Christ. It would just be so empty if I didn't have God and if I didn't have Christ, if I didn't have the Holy Spirit in my life. And I know that you feel the same way as well. So first of all, Jesus came to keep us from perishing and to give us eternal life, right? Second thing is he came us to give us life more abundantly. But the third reason why Jesus came, his third purpose was this, to seek and to save those who are lost. Say it with me right now, to seek and to save 
those who are lost. And we were all lost, but hallelujah, God found us. Sometimes people say, well, I found the Lord. Well, really, I think the Lord found you, and then you found him, right? In other words, uh, it's like, I don't know if you're looking for the Lord, but the Lord found you. He comes to seek and to save those who are lost. One of my favorite Bible stories that kind of illustrates this, and this will be the one story that we kind of unpack here this morning for a moment, is the story of Zacchaeus. All right, say it with me this morning, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. In other words, he was short of stature, and we used to sing about him in Sunday school when I was a little kid. And so he climbed up in a sycamore tree to, to get to see Jesus when he was passing through, passing by in Jericho. So if you go to Luke chapter 19, that's where we pick up the story, right? Luke chapter 19, verse 1. It says, Jesus entered into Jericho, and he was just passing through. I want you to think of this. There's a lot of villages and communities in the Holy Land, and you just kind of on your way to somewhere else, you just pass through that village. And so Jesus was passing through uh, Jericho. But let me just tell you right up front, if Jesus is in town, you better find out where he's at because something's going to happen, all right? And he was just passing through. And there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was well-known in town. He was a uh, chief tax collector, and he was very wealthy. But his wealth had been gained by dishonesty. In other words, it was dishonest gained. He would overcharge people, and he was a tax collector. He was notorious. Uh, People knew who he was, and they despised him. But he wanted to see Jesus. And so, knowing that Jesus was coming his way, he was also short of stature. The next verse says this. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Now, I'm not tall. I'm, what, 5'11". I always just say I'm six foot tall, but really it's 5'11". My wife, though, is like 5'1", something like that, a lot shorter. So sometimes when we're in crowds of people, their shoulders, they'll be shoulder uh, higher than her, and she'll go, I can't see anything. All I can see is the backs of people. That's kind of how it was for Zacchaeus. He was, he was going like he's in the crowd, but he couldn't see Jesus because he was short of stature. So the Bible says he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus since Jesus was coming that way. And so anyway, um, Jesus was coming his way through town. Crowds were following him because of his fame. But Jesus, when he got to the place where Zacchaeus was, he looked up, and you'll see this little picture right here. You look, he looked up, and he saw Zacchaeus in the tree. And that would give you a good idea right now of what, what the picture might have looked like. There's Zacchaeus up in the sycamore tree looking down at Jesus. But Jesus saw him, and of all things, because Jesus knows everything, Jesus even knew who he was. Jesus reached the spot, he looked up, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, Come down immediately, and I'm, I'm going to stay at your house today. In the song what we used to sing as little kids, I'm coming over to your house for tea, all right? <laughs> Whatever it was. So he came down at once, and he welcomed him gladly. I want you to say he welcomed him glad, gladly. There's two things that you can do with Jesus. You can push him away, you can disregard him, or you can welcome him gladly. Let me encourage you to welcome him gladly. And He says, I'm going to come over to your house today. Man, that would have been a big day for anybody, but it was a big day for Zacchaeus. And all the people saw this, and they began to mutter. And these were especially religious people. And they said, he has gone to uh, to to be a guest of a sinner. And not only a sinner, but a notorious sinner. So the people there, and they were most likely very religious people, they started to mutter that, you know, 
Jesus is gone now to be the guest of a notorious sinner, Zacchaeus. But I want you to know something about Jesus. Jesus was a friend of sinners. And if you want to be more like Jesus, you must be a friend of sinners as well. In other words, in your collection of friends, I hope that you have a bunch that are sinners because they need a Savior. You don't need to follow them, but they need to follow the Jesus that you know. So have uh, in your collection, uh, 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 your economy of friends, make sure that you also have many of them that are sinners because they need a Savior. Now, Zacchaeus stood up after he had Jesus come over to the house. He stood up and he said to the Lord, 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 here... And now I give half of my possessions to the poor. Now I want you to see what he said. He had a transformation when he was in the presence of Jesus. And he said, here and now, most people that owed people money would say sometime next week or sometime next week. He goes, no. He says, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount if I've cheated anyone. Well, he had cheated a lot of people. Hey, get this. In the Levitical law, the Levitical law, you've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the law of Moses, all right? So in the Levitical law, if you had wronged somebody and had to recompense, you would have to pay them back in full and one-fifth more, all right? That's what the law required. Pay them back in full and one-fifth more. So in other words, if you owed someone $100, you'd have to pay them back $100 plus one-fifth. One-fifth would equal 20%, so it'd be $120, right? So you owe them 100 but you're going to pay them back $120, and that would be acceptable. But Zacchaeus says, no, I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to pay them four times back. In other words, Zacchaeus said, I'm not going to pay them back $100 or 100 denarii. I'm going to pay them back $400 or 400 denarii, whatever I owe them. Hallelujah. How many of you know that there was transformation in Zacchaeus' life? Hallelujah. Now, notice that Zacchaeus called Jesus Lord. And I want to just say this right now. A lot of people know who Jesus is. They know the name of Jesus, but they don't know him as Lord. It's one thing to know Jesus, the person, but it's another thing to be able to call him Lord. And let me just say this. Real change will come into your life when you make Jesus Lord of your life. Not just your Savior, not just someone you know, but make him Lord of your life. And so Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today, salvation has come into this house. Today, salvation has come into this house. Man, Zacchaeus has flat out changed. He's been transformed, and salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. Man, I love that verse. Luke 19, 11, the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and to save those who were lost. So the story of Zacchaeus shows us a couple of things. Number one, it shows us that no one is beyond saving hallelujah aren't you glad you're saved today and if you know somebody else it's a bad bad Leroy bad brown baddest man in the whole town I'll tell you what Jesus can save them no one is beyond saving and the second thing Zacchaeus shows us is this do whatever it takes to get to Jesus if Jesus is passing by man I'll tell you what find out where he's at because something good is going to happen in your life and the third thing is this is that Jesus came why did he come to this earth what was his purpose he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Hallelujah. Now, here's the fourth reason why Jesus came, the fourth purpose. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. We already said how bad the devil is. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. But Jesus said, I've come to destroy the works of the devil. 
So I love what it says in 1 John 3, 7. Y'all with me right now? Because this is probably the most important point that I'm going to preach on here this morning. Stick with me. He said, Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. In other words, when you do right, it shows that you're following Christ, that Christ lives in your heart. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. I didn't write this. This is the word of God. When people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong not to Christ, but they belong to the devil. If they keep on sinning. I didn't say if they sinned, but if they keep on sinning, it shows that they don't belong to Christ. They belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. A lot of people go to church. They say, I belong to Jesus, but they live like the devil. Who do they belong to, to Jesus or the devil? If they belong to Jesus, they'd be doing what is right. But if they belong to the devil, they're going to be doing what the devil would cause them to do. They belong to the devil. They're going to keep on sinning. But here's the good news and the news that will give you hope. But the Son of God, that's Jesus, came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say it with me right now. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Now, as I was preparing this message, the Holy Spirit reminded me of the time that Jesus drove the money changers out of the temple, you know, in Jerusalem, right? And he turned over the tables. Remember that story? He was coming. Jesus was coming into town for the Passover, the Jewish Passover, and then he went up to Jerusalem. And in the temple courts, he found people were just buying and selling. Tons of people packed in because it was the Passover week. And, and they were changing tables, selling animals for the sacrifices, selling turtle doves, selling lambs, selling bulls, all this kind of stuff. They were just doing all of this. Just a big bunch of people, but they had turned the house of God into a merchandising mart, if you will. And when Jesus saw it, it broke his heart, and he ended up getting a cord uh, and made a whip out of a cord. Now, usually you think of Jesus as being the good shepherd, gentle, and all of that, and that's what he is. But, but on this day, when he saw what was going on in the temple, he put together a cord, and he started whipping. And you can see the picture here if you just take a look at it. This is Jesus driving the money changers out of the temple. And there's Jesus and all of the money changers by the temple, by the colonnade, and by the court there. He's driving them away. And the word of God says this, he made a whip out of cords and he drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. So people, sheep and cattle. And he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He overturned their tables. And to those who sold the doves, the turtle doves, he said, get out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. All right. But here's what I want you to see every day. Will you listen to me right now? When Jesus turned over the tables of the money changers in the temple, he was driving out sin and evil and unrighteousness. So another thing that Jesus was doing too, Jesus was also signaling the end of the sacrificial system. In other words, the end of the temple was coming. The temple in the Old Testament was going to be no more because Jesus would soon be the Lamb of God, the, the supreme sacrifice slain for the sins of this earth. In other words, all of this sacrifice that was going on, Jesus was sickling the end of this because he was going to go to the cross and he was going to be the Lamb for sinners slain. Hallelujah. But here's what I want you to see. In the Old Testament, we had the temple in Jerusalem. I wish you could go there and just see it. The Temple Mount and be up there where the temple was. 
But in the Old Testament, we had the temple, you know, built with hands, the big, large temple. But in the New Testament, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you are the temple. And let me just say this. The Holy Spirit put this in my heart. Jesus wants to turn over the tables in your life and drive out any sign of evil and unrighteousness from your life. And a lot of people would say, who me, pastor? I don't have any sin in my life. Well, let me just say this. If we say we have no sin, we're just deceived. We're just liars. In fact, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none that is righteous, no, not one. And 1 John 1.8 says it this way. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We're just kidding ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But here's the good news. It gives us hope, all right? But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's why when Jesus came to the temple to put the money changers out, it was called the cleansing of the temple, the cleansing of the temple. I want you to think about that for just a moment. I want to just ask you here this morning, what would Jesus find? In other words, if you are the temple of the Holy Spirit right now, and you are, what would Jesus find, what kind of tables would he find set up if he came to your temple today and looked in your heart today? Would he find tables of compromise? Would he find tables of complacency? Would he find tables of, of, uh, of carnality? All of those kinds of things. What would Jesus find? Or would he find righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit? What would he find when he got to your temple? I think in a lot of situations, the Lord would find a lot of, you know, indifference or complacency. And then complacency lives to, leads to compromise, and compromise leads to carnality. He'd find all of those tables. But I want to tell you here, Jesus would want to get out that whip. I'm talking about not to whip you, but I'm talking about to turn those tables over, those tables in your own life, in that own temple, and to cleanse the temple. Are you hearing the good news is that Jesus wants to cleanse your temple today, just like he cleansed the temple in the Old Testament. That's the word of the Lord to you today, and I want you just to receive it right now. I'm not just preaching some good message here today that I can just say, well, I just preached a message here, and these had kind of points and a poem and all that kind of stuff. No, I'm telling you right now, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and lots of times when we get away from God, we, all these other things enter in complacency and compromise and, 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 and iniquity and all of those kinds of things, um, uh, carnality, all of that enters in. And Jesus said, I, I don't want any of that in there. I want the temple to be pure, and I want to cleanse the temple. So here's what I want you to hear this morning. In the same way that Jesus cleansed the temple in the Old Testament, he wants to cleanse your life today, cleanse your temple right now in the New Testament. And I hope that you receive that right now. We all need to be cleansed by the Holy Spirit. When I moved to California, uh, you know, almost 19 years ago, I came from the Midwest, and in the Midwest, you've seen all of the snow out there, and it gets all slushy and dirty and everything else. I mean, the cars get pitifully dirty. I mean, there's just even mud hanging off underneath the fenders and rust and all this kind of stuff. They're better than they've ever been, you know, with rust. But you get one of time, they're covered with salt, covered with mud and everything they really do need a wash and when i came out to california i thought man everything's sunny out here i'll never have to wash my car i mean honestly i could go six months without washing a car little did i know the car would get dusty and dirty pretty quick 
and I'd have to go in. And I, I take my car in now to get it washed. You know, about every week I go into the quick quack wash and uh, take it through there and get it all sudsed up and, and nice and clean. But all I'm trying to say here this morning is this, is if your car, even under the best of conditions, needs to be cleaned every week, how do you know that your own heart, your own temple needs to be cleaned over and over on a regular basis as well? So that's why the Word of God says this, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and He'll forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness amen hallelujah i guess what i'm saying here this morning is during this time of absence from the house of god here i'm talking about from this local church when we're out on our own don't let complacency creep in and don't let compromise creep in because it'll cause carnality to creep in and it's going to do a lot of damage to your soul and jesus is coming to that temple and what's he going to find? I hope that he finds righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But if he finds these other things, man, I'll tell you what, he's wanting to cleanse. And he's going to turn the tables in your life. He's going to turn them because he loves you and he wants the temple to be cleansed. Receive that from the Lord today and say, God, whatever you need to turn upside down in my life, whatever tables you need to kick over, kick them over. I don't want to be living in compromise. I want to be living completely for you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, that was a good message right there. That spoke to my heart. I gave you four points today. There's only one left to go. Let me finish with the last reason why Jesus came to this world. He came to do the will of his Father. To do the will of his Father. Wow, and I'm so glad that he did. Jesus sent him to do his will. And Jesus said this in John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. I love that. Jesus said, you know, it's not about me. I didn't come. I didn't come to, to be served. I came to serve and give my, ransom, uh, my life a ransom for many. But he says this, I've come not to do my own will, but to do the will of the Father. Praise God. Well, what was the will of the Father for Jesus? I just wrote these down. I was just thinking about it. Well, first of all, it was the will of God that Jesus would be born in a humble manger in Bethlehem be born in Bethlehem, that was his will. It was the will of the Father that Jesus would live a sinless, selfless life of service and ministry. It was the will of the Father that Jesus would preach the gospel of the kingdom. It was the will of the Father that he would heal all the sick and cast out demons. Hallelujah. It was the will of the Father that Jesus would die on the cross as a ransom for many. And he became the propitiation or the payment of our sin. Nailing our sins to the cross, hallelujah. That was the will of, of God for, for Jesus. And then it was the will of God for Jesus that he would raise again from the dead or rise again from the dead on the third day. And then it was his will that Jesus would finish the work that God called him to do. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished? That had to do more, it, it was not only to do with his life. He died right after he said it. You know, it is finished. But he also, it also meant it is finished. I have completed the work that you've called me to do. And I want you to tell you, just as much as God has a will for Jesus, and he did, God has a will for you. And God wants you to run this race with purpose, to be able to run the race, to finish the course, to keep the faith in all of those things. But your life is here to make a difference, to have a purpose. And for you be, to be able to stand before the Lord one day and be able to say, God, I've finished what you've called me to do. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. So Jesus was called to do the will of the Father. Praise God. Now I want to just, just review really quickly what we just talked about. What was Christ's purpose in coming to this earth? First of all, he came to keep you from perishing and to give you eternal life. How many of you will receive that in the name of Jesus? I'm good on that one. Give me a loud amen. Amen? And then he, he came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. And you've already experienced that. Hallelujah. If you'll receive that, life and life more abundantly, say a loud amen. Amen? Amen. And then he came to seek and to save those who are lost. How many are glad that he sought you out and he found you and he saved you? If you're good with that, say a loud amen. Amen? And then he came to destroy the works of the evil one. He came to destroy the works of the devil. If you're good with that, say a loud amen. But he came to cleanse that temple too. He wants to cleanse that temple, to destroy the works of the devil. You know, we just look at that somewhere else, someplace else, but I'm talking about inside of us. He wants to destroy every work of the devil in the name of Jesus. If you receive that and you say, Jesus, you can turn over the tables in my life if you need to. I'm right here. Do what you need to do, but let this temple be cleansed. Say a loud amen, amen. And then Jesus, oh, I need a better amen. Give me a loud amen. Amen, can I get, amen, hallelujah. And then... He came to do the will of the Father. Jesus completed what God called him to do. That was the purpose of Christmas. He completed it. It was the beginning in that manger, but it ended on the cross. But I've finished what you called me to do. I've lived a life of purpose. And, and he wants each one of us to live a life of purpose as well. And I just bless you right now. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, you've received that. Praise God. Years ago, a songwriter uh, and singer named Dottie Ramble um, she wrote, We Shall Behold Him, um, and so many other great songs, you know. She wrote about 2,500 songs. And uh, uh, I got to meet her when I was in my 20s, and I had her sign my Bible. I've got it in my office right now, Buck and Dottie Rambo. And they signed, both of them signed my Bible. And then, she, and, 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 and then she wrote in there, We Shall Behold Him. Remember that song that Sandy Patty used to sing, We Shall Behold Him? Dottie Rambo wrote that. But Dottie Rambo wrote another song that's used at Christmas quite a bit, and it's called For What Earthly Reason. It's really funny. I, I mentioned this song um, and in the first service this morning, and I went out to my car just to put some things in the car, and I turned on the radio. And right when I turned on the radio, what was playing? For What Earthly Reason. I was going like, God, how do you do that? There's a thousand songs you could have played this morning, but the minute I turned it on, it was right there, the same song that I had illustrated this morning. Listen to the words of the song, For What Earthly Reason? We're talking right now about the purpose of Christmas, all right? For what earthly reason would the Heavenly Father send down His Son to suffer rejection and pay for the crimes He had not done? For what earthly reason would the Father let Him hang on a tree? I wept with the answer, the one earthly reason was me. I was the reason, that one earthly reason, I was the guilty he was the sacrifice. I was the taker. He was the giver. Dying while I went free, that one earthly reason was me. And when we're talking about the purpose of Christmas, let me tell you why Christmas even came about. What was the earthly reason that Christmas came about? For what earthly reason did Jesus come to be born in a manger and die on a cross? Let me just say that one earthly reason was me that one earthly reason was you and we give the lord praise for that hallelujah so what is the purpose of christmas 
Well, let me give you one underlying purpose of Christmas. The purpose of Christmas is God sending Jesus to earth to be your Savior and to be your Lord. Hallelujah. Not just your, your Savior. People start there, but He wants to be Lord of your life. And the Word of God says this, and we'll end it with this. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. Hallelujah. We are the one earthly reason why Jesus came. He came to die, to set us free, and to give us eternal life. Hallelujah. What a message of Christmas. Praise God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you so much. Thank you, Lord God, that you came to this earth. Thank you, Lord God, that we would have no Christmas without the Christ of Christmas, who was born in a manger, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, and rose again. But, Lord, that you took all of the sins of mankind. Thank you, Lord God, for all that you've done for us, and we just bless your holy name today. Thank you, Lord God. I just want to pray for every person in this watching today, and you say, Pastor Perry, I want to know the Christ of Christmas. Let me tell you this. You can have Christmas come into your life. It's more than a holiday. It's a life. And Jesus will come into your heart and change your life forever. So I want to just ask you right now just to pray with me. If you're here today and you say, I need prayer, you're only one prayer away from salvation. So just pray this prayer with me right now and let it be from your heart, not just your head, but from your heart. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. And Lord, right now, I open up my heart to you and I ask you to live inside of me and be my Savior and be my Lord. Forgive me of all of my sin and give me a new life today. With my mouth, I now confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, Lord Jesus, I believe on you now, and I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. And I pray in your holy name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. If you prayed that prayer, let us know. There's a uh, goharvest.org, I believe it's slash, right slash, yes. If you said yes and you prayed, just say yes. You know, goharvest.org, right slash, yes. I received Christ as my Savior. Let us know. And then also tell somebody else. Today you became a believer. Your name's been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. The angels in heaven are rejoicing. Hallelujah. You are saved and you're part of the family of God. Thank you so much for watching today and receiving Christ. Now I want to just leave you with a blessing today. Lord, I just pray that you'll bless your people. God, help us to be more conformed to your image. Help us to be more like you. Thank you, Lord God. Help us to follow you closely in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for your blessing, for your provision, for your healing, for your favor over your people. And we pray it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. Next Sunday, we're going to be talking about the presence of Christmas. Hallelujah. Oh, man, this is going to be a good message. Next Sunday, the presence of Christmas. Because so many people feel alone, left out. We're going to talk about the presence, not the presence under the tree, but the presence of Christmas. All right? So I want to thank you right now for joining us at Harvest Church at Home. Have a great week. Have a safe week. We'll let you know when we're back on campus. It should be soon. But we love you so much. Keep on keeping on. Go with God. We love you. God bless you.